Most people have heard about the story of Jonah and the whale, but did you know that the book of Jonah also answers some of the really big questions about the Christian life? Hi, I'm Yvonne Pran, and welcome to Bible 805. Some of the questions that Jonah answers include, what about people who haven't heard the gospel? If Jesus is the only way to God, are they condemned forever? What about the consequences of sin in a believer's life? What do we do about really bad people or when people treat us badly? For answers to these questions and a lot of other scattered applications, let's look at the book of Jonah because it's about so much more than a fish. First of all, let's look at the background of Jonah. I know when I first realized where Jonah really fit in the history of Israel, his whole story makes so much more sense. Now let me read you the passage in 2 Kings that describes it. In the 15th year of Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, became king in Samaria, and he reigned forty-one years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. He was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebo Hamath to the Dead Sea in accordance with the word of the Lord. Now listen carefully to what, what it says. Spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from gath Heper. The Lord had seen how bitterly everyone in Israel, whether slave or free, was suffering, and there was no one to help them. And since the Lord had said he would not blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, son of Joash. Now, you see, this is just really a great little tiny hidden away tidbit that you, you might not see. After the kingdom had split into the northern part, which was Israel, southern part, which is Judah, Actually, in the northern part, they did quite well. They were very prosperous. They um, they had great trade grow, going. They were fairly powerful. And here we see where they had this really great military victory. And it was prophesied by Jonah. So here's Jonah, who is this popular prophet. And he's prophesied all kinds of good things. And then God comes to him and says, Okay, you've done that. Now I need you to go and preach to us. Syria. Well, why is it that Jonah didn't want to go do that? I mean, here was maybe another chance for him to get famous or whatever. Well, we look at Assyria, and then we can understand it. Assyria was the major foreign power. They were incredibly rich, incredibly wealthy, and we've talked about this some before, but you have to realize that this was a country that was known for its dreadful, dreadful cruelty. They, um, I've on the website and different things, I've got pictures of where they love to illustrate tearing off the arms and legs of people and impaling them on stakes and killing a lot of people. And they were known as a very vicious, cruel conqueror. And what God was saying basically is, Jonah, I want you to go preach to these people that are threatening to completely destroy your land and torture and kill everybody in it. And Jonah's just going, I don't think I want to do that. Now, the problem is, though, Jonah forgot who's in charge of everything. He wanted to be God in this situation. He wanted to decide how he was going to serve God. Now, he served God in a way that made him very popular, but he didn't want to follow God to do a difficult job to preach mercy and salvation to Israel's enemies. So what's he do? He runs in the opposite direction. He gets on a ship. They're going the opposite way from Nineveh, 
and a huge, huge storm comes up. And we don't know all the details, but obviously all of the people on it knew that this was so drastic and so immense, it had to be of divine origin. And so they're all crying out to their gods. And then finally they get to Jonah and they say, you know, cry out to your God. And Jonah just goes, I don't need to. I know the problem is me. And they say, okay, tell us what you did wrong. And he said, you know, God told me to do this. I'm not doing it. And he says, um, the storm is because of me. You just need to throw me overboard. And the men on the ship, they try not to do that. They throw aboard their cargo. They're losing their livelihood. All of these things. Finally, though, nothing helps. And they throw him overboard. And the sea is immediately calm. Now, just one little application here before we leave this section is it's easy to assume that our sins only affect us. But that's not true. Our sins are toxic to all of the people around us. And sometimes we have no idea of how they can be influenced by the things that we do. So we, we, need, to, we need to try to remember that when we're trying to decide if we should do the right thing or not. People are always watching us. Our families, our friends, people that are outside the church. So keep that in mind from Jonah. But what happens is Jonah is swallowed by a great fish. And sometimes I think we forget how merciful it was that God did that. There was this raging storm. He would have drowned. The fish literally saved his life. He's swallowed by the fish, obviously not chewed up because he's still in one piece. And we have Jonah's prayer from inside the fish. And I love this one particular passage, and we're going to talk about it for just a little bit, where he says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And after he prayed that prayer, it goes on and it says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah under the dry land. Now, we don't want to dwell on how horrible he must have looked and how dreadful that must have been. But what I want to go back to that verse, it's in Jonah 2.8, where it says, Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And I did a little word study on that passage. That word grace in the Hebrew is chesed. And it's often translated kindness or mercy, or it has the idea of God doing something or a person doing something that's really over and above in kindness. It's the word that's used when Abraham's servant is sent to find a wife. He asked God that he would show him chesed, <laughs> can't say it very well, um, in his search. It's also used when how God blessed Jacob after his, he left his family and he was poor and alone. He returns a rich man. He attributes that to God's chesed. Um, it is also the word that is used of the favor shown to Joseph when he was in prison. And it's also, very interestingly, it's part of the covenant, you might say in a way a summary of God's covenant with Israel in Deuteronomy 7.2 where it says, If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you. That's actually that word, chesed, as he swore to your ancestors. So all what all of these things are saying, now bear with me for a minute, is that God grants incredible love and kindness and mercy. And here is part of the covenant, 
to those who obey his commands. And although we are not in the exact same format today as they were in the Old Testament, where if we do right things, God blesses. If we don't, we have problems. I think that's something that we really need to think about. And what I want us to think about on that is oftentimes we disobey God because we think that we know better for our lives. We think that we'll get something better. We'll get satisfaction in something or whatever it is. That's what we're going after. Uh, sometimes we worry that uh, we'll just be punished. And, you know, maybe we, we can take it because we'll be punished. But what we forget is that if we sin, we really miss out on God's blessings. And let me... Let me make this very, very, very practical. Because we might say, well, how does it apply when it seems like if I obey him, things don't get any better? You know, it's just miserable. Well, I was thinking about that a lot because um, there's there's been a lot of challenging stuff in our life now. And I know there there is in, in many of yours. And so how do we respond in a way that pleases God? How do we keep from sinning? How do we experience his grace and his love and his mercy in difficult times? And as I thought about it, I thought, first of all, it starts with obviously being obedient. And in this, remember, the Bible tells us in everything to give thanks and also to cast all our cares on him. So we come up to a difficult situation. Maybe it's an illness or it's a vocational thing or a job, something that's probably not going to get better for a long time. But in those things, God says, first of all, say thank you and then cast it on me, and then there's that whole part of kind of waiting to see what happens. And I think what God really wants us to see in this is that his favor and his grace and his love can just fill us even in the midst of really hard times. Our circumstances might not change, but we have this peace that that truly does pass all understanding that keeps us in difficult situations. But here's where Jonah applies. He talked about clinging to worthless idols. And I really think some of the idols for us today in the midst of hardship can be idols of bitterness, of questioning, of comparing ourselves. Well, Lord, you did it for that person. Why won't you do it for me? And what this does is this, or, you know, I have suffered enough. I have suffered too long. That's all, you know, I've, I've paid my dues, you know, all those kind of things. And if we get on that spiral, what that does, that just leads to greater and greater self-pity and sadness. And how different it would be if we just, you know, like that song says, one of the great theological songs of modern day, let it go. You know, just let it go. You know, God loves you. He is working out his very best plan for you. And that's what we need to focus on, no matter what outside circumstances might seem to be. Don't be too hard on yourself if this is difficult for you to do. It's a learning experience, and especially in our culture today, because our culture really celebrates victimhood. Oh, these terrible things have happened to me, and so therefore I have an excuse to do this and this and this and this. No, you don't. <laughs> um, you have... Are, we don't have... Um, we don't have a right to act evil at any time. You know, if we belong to Jesus, we're to be his disciples. We're to try to follow him no matter what our situation. And hopefully none of us are going to be swallowed by a whale to have to learn that. But 
I, I want you to just think about uh, think about those things that if we're in a difficult situation, that God's grace, His love, His mercy is still there. But sometimes to see it, to experience it, we need to say thank you. We need to turn our, like the, so- the song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. One more little thing, a quote that I found as I was looking up illustrations for this lesson. It says, maybe if we spent less time fighting God's plan, we'd have more energy for the battles that really matter. And I think I think that's that's kind of a good thing to leave this section with. Now, the next thing I just want to mention that in uh, just going over the, the main story of Jonah being swallowed by the whale and then spit up on the land and all that, a lot of people, even some Christians say, well, I don't know if that really happened. You know, maybe it's just a um, a myth or an allegory or whatever. But Jesus, uh, Jesus believed it happened. And some people are not aware of this quote where Jesus in Matthew 12, 39 and 40 said this. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Not only did Jesus verify the story as true, but he also used it as an illustration of his coming resurrection. So if people say that they don't believe the story of Jonah, you might just say something like, well, do you believe Jesus was an honest person? And of course, they're going to say, oh, yes, Jesus was very honest. And then you can share this with them. Well, he believed it was true. So let's go on now and look at a little bit of the rest of the story. After God rescues Jonah, he goes to Nineveh and he preaches to the people. And of course, the wonderful application on this is that God gives everyone a second chance. He doesn't yell at Jonah. He doesn't say, well, why didn't you go the first time? He just sends him to um, sends him to Nineveh. He preaches repentance. You know, in three days, everything's going to be destroyed and you'll all die and you must repent. And God causes great repentance in Nineveh. Evil people, a reluctant prophet, nobody is beyond God's salvation. So how does Jonah respond? Does he rejoice? Does he just say, this is fantastic. Let's now do great things for God? No. It says, when God saw that what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he says, you know, I knew you were going to do this, God. I knew you. I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. It's better for me to die than to live. I mean, what a dreadful, dreadful response. And God says, You've been concerned, well, in a little part of the story too, this plant grows up, shades Jonah, he goes outside the city, he wants to see fire and brimstone fall, it doesn't fall, he sits there and he's pouting, This it's really hot out there, this vine comes up and shades him, and he's so grateful for that, and then it dies, and then he gets really angry, and God finally says, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than a 120,000 people who cannot tell their right from their left, and also many animals? 
when people talk about God being a God of judgment in the Old Testament, read them the story of Jonah. Tell them about the story of Jonah. God was incredibly merciful. And we we all desire mercy from God. And it's really sad when then we don't want to give it to other people. Anybody can repent. God gives second chances, and he does not forget about sin. Sadly, we won't talk about it in this lesson, but Nineveh did not stay a godly nation. They were eventually judged. The book of Nahum, which we will get to later, talks about that judgment. God's will will be done. Our attitude, though, determines our blessing or not in the midst of it. What we need to learn, though, from Jonah and from Nahum later, and really from all of the books that we're reading now, is that when God judges his enemies, it's his job. When he gives mercy, it's his choice. And we need to back away from interfering in these things and make sure our attitude is correct. Proverbs 24, 17, and 18 says, Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, Do not let your heart rejoice, or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from them. And then in Proverbs 25, 21, it says, If your enemy's hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. And of course, this lesson is repeated in the New Testament, where in Romans twelve seventeen through 21, it says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, and then quoting Proverbs, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, revenge is God's job, not ours. When we attempt to take revenge, we're saying we know better than God. We're putting ourselves in his place, and then he'll have to discipline us instead of perhaps what was the initial object of his discipline, and we don't want to be in that position. Now, there's one more application of the book of Jonah, and this is a really important one. And Well, actually, there's two more. One of them is the question of what happens to people who haven't heard the gospel? And the answer to that question is really simple. How do you know? We don't know what God is doing outside of what, you know, in in many ways, a very small circle. Most of the world had no, well, except for Jonah, actually, really had no idea that God Almighty had sent his prophet to deliver a personalized message to Nineveh. Now, many of the people who responded probably perhaps fell away in a short period of time. We know the nation as a whole became very evil. But when you look at the overall picture, no doubt many 
stayed true to the Lord and grew in their faith. And one thing to think about, when Israel went into captivity, they would have no doubt met believers in Almighty God, in Nineveh of all places, in the place of their captivity, because God always, always, always has his remnant. So that's something that I think we can take great joy and encouragement from, that we don't know the fate of people that we have no idea even exist. Now, we're to do everything that we can with the people that we can reach. We give to missions. We do all that we can. But we can't accuse God of being unfair when we don't know the whole story. One more application, and this is incredibly important. What if Jonah had stayed to follow up, to teach, to help them learn about God? Perhaps Assyria would have become this incredible, powerful nation for good. We don't know, though, what would have happened because Jonah bailed out. He didn't do his job when he had an absolutely extraordinary opportunity. This is something all of us need to take very seriously. And now, the application can vary um, in this whole area based on the calling and responsibilities that God has given you. Jonah had an incredible calling, a huge responsibility. He was able to see the repentance of a nation, and he walked away from it. We will probably never be in a situation like that. But when people turn to God, they need to be followed up on. They need to learn about the Christian faith, particularly in our world today, because our world, and if you haven't listened to the podcast on the whole mindset of our post-Christian, post-biblical world, it's it's on the book of Proverbs, and um, please, please go back and listen to that. But because our world today does not have a biblical or Christian mindset, more than ever, we need to instruct people in the things of God. When I was involved with the Navigator Ministry in college, and I talk about this a lot, they were very, very firm about follow-up. And when someone became a Christian, they had uh, on the the website, um, I'm sorry, not on the website, but in my class, and I keep hoping to get these on the website, and I just don't have them there yet. But I have an illustration that uh, what the Navigators used to share with us, there were five things that you always taught a young Christian. The first one was assurance of their salvation, then the assurance of answered prayer, the assurance of victory in Christ, the assurance of forgiveness, and the assurance of guidance. And these were just five basic things. You had verses, memory verses that went along with them, and then you helped people grow up in the Christian life. This is so important. Remember in the Great Commission, Jesus said, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Sadly, so many of us, churches, Bible studies, a lot of things, we stop there. But Jesus went on to say that we are supposed to teach them everything that he commanded. And the teaching ministry of churches or small groups, getting people into the Bible, teaching them everything that's in it, that's what I refer to as fully fulfilling the Great Commission. We can't say, 
way that we're being obedient to Jesus if we don't have young and struggling believers, a way, if we don't help them, and if we don't give them a way to grow up in the faith. So first of all, you've got to grow yourself. Um, there's a lot of good materials out there on growing in the Christian faith. Just that you're listening to this podcast, I commend you, because there are so few people, sadly, in, in even the Christian world, even in churches, that take Bible study and just reading the Bible, just knowing that these books are there, knowing what they have to say. Very few take it seriously. And so I commend you and I want to encourage you in this. You will grow tremendously in your Christian life after spending time this year going through the entire Bible and seeing where everything fits. And don't just leave it alone this year. Once you finish reading through the whole Bible, start in again until you know the book really, really well and you're living it. So encourage yourself, encourage others to grow in their Christian life so that we can fully fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave to us. Now just some final challenges that this book um, teaches us. We all have a Nineveh. We all have groups or people or an individual that if we're honest with ourselves, we hate them. We don't want to have anything to do with them. We don't want to be around them. We just wish they would go away, die, whatever. And at the same time, we are all Jonah, where God calls us to, in whatever way we can, to be kind to them and to share the gospel. There are situations you just have to totally walk away. But there are usually situations where we always have a choice of do we behave like Christ followers. Sometimes that might be where we challenge people and we say, you know, I just don't think I can maybe work with you anymore or I can whatever with you anymore because as a believer in Jesus, I, I can't condone that kind of behavior. I just don't feel that that's what God wants me to do. And so sometimes we we have to run away, but we need to let people know where our, our beliefs, where what we stand for comes from. To be Jesus' witnesses, we have to pray for the ability to respond like Jesus did. And I go back to this so often. I don't know how he did it because everyone wanted to be around him. And he never compromised. He never watered down his message. And yet people just flocked to him. He challenged people. And finally, of course, he died for all those who hated him. He trained back to our our application on training he trained the people the disciples that were with him for three years he was with them day and night object lessons sending them out on their own challenging them questioning them teaching them he did all of these things to prepare people what are we doing again in our Christian lives to pass on our faith we're all around children or neighbors or maybe we teach a Sunday school class or whatever we do we have responsibility to pass on our faith, to grow people up in the faith. Now, of course, to do all of these things, it takes Jesus in us. It takes his power to be kind to mean people, to trust God in difficult situations, to obedient, to be obedient, to finish our jobs to the end, and to teach others to do the same. But, of course, the good news is that we have 
Jesus with us. Remember, in the same great commission where he, he commanded us to do this seemingly impossible work, he said, but I'm with you always. In that, we have his love, his grace, and his mercy. And let's all determine to do the job that he wants us to do, no matter how difficult the situation. We probably won't be swallowed by a whale like Jonah was, but sometimes it might feel like we're in pretty deep and we don't know how to get out of it. But the same God that rescued Jonah, that gave him a second chance, that gave him a fantastic ministry, is waiting to do that for all of us. Let's be obedient like he was, and let's be obedient to fully fulfill all the work he wants us to do. That's all for now. Please check out the notes from this lesson there in downloadable PDF format on www.bible805.com. And do subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss any in this series of Kings and Prophets. And let your friends know about it because this is a way you can help them grow in their Christian life and Probably most people don't even know about some of these fantastic books that are are coming up that are in the Bible, Hosea and Micah and Amos and just a lot of good stuff. Um, I just would really encourage you to tell your friends about it. Until next time, I'm Yvonne Pran, your fellow pilgrim, writer, and teacher for Jesus, and I'd like to close with this benediction. May you know the invitation of God to move from confusion to clarity, from wandering to rest, from loneliness to knowing you are loved, from turmoil to peace, from wherever you are on your spiritual journey, to a growing knowledge of God's Word and in your personal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.